horses, they're not machines as, as well as we're humans. We're not the same every day. And to just be focused on the day and the class and the horse and to do your best. And sometimes you don't win, whether it was an unlucky rail, judging didn't go your way, a miss on your part, a horse, a horse mistake, which happens. And you, for me, being able to just learn from it and let it go and laugh it off sometimes, laugh it off, shake it off, and not carry it with you the next day really helps me. Podcast, a show featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Jocelyn Pierce, and this week's episode is with hunter-jumper rider Hannah Isop. Third-generation equestrian Hannah Isop teaches and trains at her family's Harkaway Farm in North Salem, New York, with her aunt Tracy Friels and her mother Susie Isop, who manages the barn. Her grandparents, Jerry and Bob Friels, were both horse trainers. Hannah has earned top placings in many hunter and jumper divisions, including several wins in national and international hunter derbies, second place in the 2011 Ox Ridge Charity Horse Shows Grand Prix, second in two consecutive years at the USHJA World Championship Hunter Rider Developing Pro Challenge, first and second at the 2018 Devaku Hunter Prix at Hits on the Hudson 2, and a top 10 finish in the 2018 Platinum Performance USHJA International Hunter Derby Championship. I caught up with Hannah at the beginning of January in Wellington, right after we finished her photo shoot for her training article in our summer 2020 issue entitled From Hunters to Jumpers, How to Retrain a Former Hunter to Become a Competitive Jumper. During our conversation, Hannah shares how over two years she brought back one of her top horses, Red Rider, from a collateral ligament injury, what she likes about the hunter and jumping disciplines, how she handles losing, and some insight into her training article. Now let's jump right into the episode as Hannah shares her family's enduring connection with horses and competing. Originally, uh, my grandfather grew up in Tennessee and um, not a horse family. However, he started working for a man that had uh, hunted raccoons. Coon. Okay. He had coon hounds, so he started taking care of the coon hounds, okay. and that led to taking care of the horses, which led to starting to sh- compete the horses, and it went on and on from there. And then my grandmother g- grew up on her family fox hunted. Okay. So that's how um, they got my grandparents got started. And uh, from there, they started a business, my grandparents. And um, my mom and Tracy just grew up in the hunter-jumper world. Okay. And were horses and riding always a part of your life as well? Definitely. I always, always loved the horses. I always loved my ponies. I always, I didn't always grow up showing on the A circuit. Um, It was definitely a dream of mine. But I always grew up with a pony in my backyard, riding around bareback, and um, yeah, I've always had a love for it. So from how, how did you go from kind of having the ponies in your backyard to maybe starting to take things a little bit more seriously and competing? That was gradual, and uh, Tracy had a lot to do with that. Um, I think my first real 
show pony was a green pony that Tracy had bought um, that was young that we started in the greens. And then along with my first horse, Prophet, who was originally a fox hunted, and um, he started me as well. Did you compete in the junior divisions? Scattered here and there. I did some young horses in the hunters. Um, equitation was not my focus, um, so I spent actually most of my time in the jumper ring. And did you ever kind of feel pressure to to be involved in the horse business and have to do well in the horse business because not it was at, such a family? Not thing? at all. And uh, yes, we always have had show horses and we are a competition barn, but Tracy and my mom and my family always taught horses first, the enjoyment, the care out of the horses. So yes, we want to do well and we want our horses to go well, but it's never... Never, I've never been put in a pressurized situation of having to win and having to do that. That's that. That's second to us. And did you did you ever think about doing something else or want to do something else besides being a rider? I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> yeah, this has been my number one passion, and I've always wanted to do that. Um, to be a professional. In addition to your family. Um, who are maybe some others that you consider mentors or people that have influenced your riding career? Um, I'm going to just do a, a blanketed. I've always, um, I mean, am, I'm inspired by just being in Wellington to watching some of the greats, whether it's just watching Liza Boyd in the ring. You know, the other day I was walking up to a ring on another horse and I just stopped to watch a trip. Um, and that's a great thing about being down here is showing amongst your peers and your idols and some of the greats, whether it's in the hunter or the jumper ring, you know, watching them flat a horse or, or show or in the schooling area. Um, so I'm inspired. They inspire me every day, whether it's McLean Ward, BZ Madden, Sandy Farrell, you name it. So that's very fortunate to be here. And, and can you talk a little bit about some of the influential horses in your life, what they were like? I've, I've had a lot of them. <laughs> Whether it was my first pony charity, who we bought, my mom bought for $300 at a Vermont farmer's fair that um, she just passed away two years ago. But she was has been with me through my whole life. She taught me to ride, and I actually gave my first teaching lessons oh, off of fun. her fun. Um, to a horse that I did in some of the national Grand Prix, Keep It Simple, who I got as a teenager and we started in the low schooling jumpers to um, Husker Du, who is probably my most influential ring horse as far as he was um, loaned to me by Georgina Bloomberg and he was an incredible teacher and an incredible competitor, and he taught me that I could win in the ring. To of course, Red Rider. To yeah, the good ones, the hard ones, the green ones—they've all given me something. And can you tell me a little bit more about Red Rider and what he's like? He's quirky. He likes he likes things his way, and we learned very early on <laughs> not to mess with that. He loves the hackamore. He loves to jump. 
he loves attention. I think the more people eyes on him, the, the happier that he gets. Um, and the amazing thing about Ryder is that I've been able to, to have him for the last five years. We've been really able to grow together from the first year of showing to not getting any ribbons <laughs> to being able to, you know, he was my first four-foot horse, Hunter, um, the high performance to doing the um, Hunter Spectacular in Wellington. And not only start out my Hunter career like that, but, you know, being able to hold on to him and to grow in that partnership as most professionals know it's hard to keep a horse at that caliber, whether an owner decides to sell them or they move barns. So I'm extremely fortunate to have a real partnership with him on and off the ground. And um, him being laid out for two years was difficult, but it also, as I said, it really grew our partnership. The amount of time grazing him, walking him, brushing him, you know, off the, on the ground, not always on his back. That was, that was, as hard as it was, it really grew our relationship as well. And what, what was the injury that he had? He had a collateral ligament injury, which is hard to come back from. And he's pretty amazing that he has touch wood. <laughs> and did you ever get discouraged? Absolutely. And I give a 100% of the credit to Tracy Friels and Carrie Kritzer who own him and my mother Susan Isop and our vet Dr. William Bradley for just giving him the time he needed never pushing and um, Dr. Bradley and my mom would just keep telling us have faith have faith and a rider himself because he really wanted to come back and he was an amazing rehab horse like he was very happy in his stall he watched us my mom would hold him in the ring and he'd watch us all day long work <laughs> um, but I think he really wanted to come back which which helps and how did how does his his injury kind of affect your riding plans um, well we he's also getting older but we always we just try carefully we don't we try to keep him for the special classes and He's definitely not overused. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just try to plan which classes and which derbies we want to go for. He's definitely not a horse that you'll be seeing show every week. None of ours really are. But, um, yeah, we just try to conserve and pick and choose what we want to do and, yeah, save them. And then you were also sidelined, I think, for, for a couple of months and. So that was in 2000, beginning of 2018, right when Ryder was coming back. I got to show him, I think, one week pre-circuit. And the Sunday before WAF, I had a fall and broke my collarbone. So that was incredibly frustrating because all I could think about is <laughs> I have Ryder back. <laughs> um, but... Again, just being patient, and he was the first horse I started back riding, I think, four weeks into my collarbone, which my doctor might not have liked. But um, it was frustrating, very frustrating for me. But again, just give yourself time, and we're it's back at you it. A lot of yeah, patience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> patience. So you, you mentioned earlier that you ride both in the hunter and jumper rings. 
can you just talk a little bit about what you like about each discipline? Yes. I like the jumpers for the speed part, the turns, um, the fitness of a horse, jumping higher, um, a hotter, you know, more bold horse is actually more of my type. That's why you never, my hunters will sometimes be more on the fresher side than the duller side. Um, so I really enjoy the, yeah, the, the more bold, hotter blood, a little bit more energy, the more technical courses of asking different questions, the turns, do we go inside here? Do we leave out that stride there? It's also why I like the derbies and the hunters because it kind of mixes that nicely. As whereas the hunters, I like the tradition of it and the smoothness of it. Um, I like a more solid jump as well. I think they're beautiful, the derby jumps. So is there is there one that you would say you would prefer over the other? Definitely not. Okay. Definitely not. And can you talk a little bit about some of the, your most important wins that you've had in your riding career? Yeah, so being able to do the Hunter Spectacular on Red Rider was and, and Ribbon in it was pretty incredible, um, as well as the WCHR Pro Challenge class at Capital Challenge, being second there both times. Derby finals is always a goal of mine, so be, being able to ribbon on rider there in 10th is was pretty amazing. I, I think derby finals, they do an amazing job with the jumps and the courses and the tracks and being able to show in the Rolex Stadium with a hunter is pretty spectacular as well. So being able to ribbon there is definitely one of my career highlights. And what about losing? How, how do you handle that? Well, as a younger, as a junior and a younger professional, I definitely was more of a perfectionist and wanted to do well. And I think it hindered my riding as far as I always, you know, was more focused on the outcome than the actual um, being in the moment. And um, as I said, Tracy and my family, the horses always come first. Winning wasn't the focus. So I've gotten better with age and with experience of sometimes their horses, they're not machines as, as well as we're humans. We're not the same every day. And to just be focused on the day and the class and the horse and to do your best. And sometimes you don't win, whether it was an unlucky rail Judging didn't go your way, a miss on your part, a horse, a horse mistake, which happens. And you, for me, being able to just learn from it and let it go and laugh it off sometimes, laugh it off, shake it off, and not carry it with you the next day really helps me. And do you get nervous? Yes, I do get nervous, whether it's like a two-foot class or a, a big class, I do get nervous. Again, not taking myself too seriously helps. Breath, breathing, and just a little mantra that you can do this helps believe. And do you have a routine before a big competition? I don't. I, the only thing that I try to do before a big class, if I am not running around <laughs> from ring to ring, is I do really believe in visualizing the course, of so just taking a quiet moment and uh, visualizing how you want to ride it and how you want your horse to do and your the approach and yes. 
And do you mainly just ride or do you teach as well? I teach as well. Okay. And that's something I really enjoy teaching. How would you describe your teaching style? Firm, focused, focused and firm. But again, I try to have a, a laid back approach to not being too hard on yourself. And when you're teaching, do you see certain things that you, that you see students needing help with the most? The mental game, for sure. Um, oh, of course, there's, there's, for me, rhythm, position, and your focus and confidence, actually. A lot of riders need when, when competing. You recently did an article with Practical Horseman about how to retrain a former jumper to become a competitive hunter. Do you think that many jumpers can make nice hunters? Absolutely, and most of our most of our hunters nowadays come from Europe where they're started as jumpers. So definitely, not every horse. Each horse has its own job, so not every horse is going to be a hunter, just like not every horse is going to be a jumper, but yes. And what do you think is kind of maybe some of the keys in the retraining process to take a jumper to the hunter ring? Time. Time helps. Allowing them, because a jumper is a little bit more bold, has a little bit more energy, just allowing the horse to take, to take a breath and um, let down a little bit. Not, um, learn that they don't have to go in the ring supercharged. You want a more relaxed horse, so um, that's probably one of the biggest things we focus on. And that's not necessarily always training. Sometimes that's going for a trail ride or just going to a horse show and walking around and going in the ring and taking your time and going slow. And what would you say maybe is the hardest part of the sport for you? Probably one of the hardest parts about this sport, what most people would say was the financial aspect of that it costs a lot of money to, to keep these horses going and to buy and sell. So keeping a string of horses at a high level is having owners and, and backers that can, and clients that can do that. And what's one of your favorite things about the sport? Working with horses every day, for sure. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me, Hannah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Jocelyn Pierce, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast. 